Welcome to the New Providence Presbyterian Church podcast, where we will share our messages from our weekend worship services. We hope these messages will inspire you and challenge you in your walk with Jesus. Hey, good morning. I'm going to do something with you over <clears throat> the next three weeks that uh, I've not done in over 40 years of being a pastor, and that is preach three times in a row. Um, Jeff has lovingly nicknamed this the Flavin Trilogy. I don't know about that. <laughs> but I've been looking forward to it, and I appreciate, Jeff, the opportunity over the next couple of weeks to do that with you all. And when I thought about preaching three times in a row, I figured I'd find a, a key passage. I knew the topics. Like, I've known these topics for 30 years. And... Um, Figured I'd find three different passages to kind of go along with them, and, and then I discovered Daniel 4.3, and if you have a scripture uh, Bible in front of you or your phone, you can pull it out, take a look. Uh, Rick, in a few minutes, is going to stick it up on the screen, but Daniel 4.3, and I, um, I was reading ahead after Audrey preached a couple of weeks ago on Daniel 3, and I ran across this verse. It's one of the verses you know, you've read it before and <clears throat> maybe not struck, struck me just a certain way, but it certainly did. Daniel 4.3 is a power-packed verse that really captures God's heart, as Scripture does through, throughout. And the crazy thing about Daniel 4.3 is it's not out of some rabbi's heart and mouth, not after some prophet's study of scripture over decades. It's not out of someone that was following God at all. These words from Daniel 4.3 come out of a pagan, self-centered, nasty king who was chasing after things way other than God, who was an egomaniac, which I guess most super world leaders kind of have to be, and he was certainly that. And so if these words can come out of a guy that had no clue who God was, who was about as far away from God as is possible. Um, what are the implications of these words for you? You know, who is chasing after the Lord? Who does have a soft, pliable heart? Daniel 4, 3. Um, and just stepping back a minute, the king was King Nebuchadnezzar. And um, invite you to go back and take a listen to Audrey's message if you weren't here a couple of weeks ago. The king had just witnessed a total miracle of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being in a super fire. There's no way anyone survives that. It's, it's an impossibility. And he looks down and he sees them not only surviving but thriving down there, worshiping the Lord, singing songs. Everything was great. Not a hair was singed. And his reaction, he was like overwhelmed by that. And I think the question I want to throw out this morning is, has that ever happened to you? <clears throat> Have you encountered a moment with the Lord that was so overwhelming that your reaction was just sheer amazement, you know? It was probably an emotional reaction. Um, it was probably something that you woke up every morning for weeks later thinking about. Has that ever happened to you? It happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. And again, he was not looking for it. He was not 
there were not like a little, a bunch of little moments with God that led up to this big, incredible moment. And so stunned, he says this in Daniel 4.3. And watch it as I read it. He says this. He says, it is my pleasure and privilege to tell you about the miraculous signs and wonders that the Most High God has performed for me. How great are his signs. How mighty his wonders. His kingdom is an eternal kingdom. His dominion endures from generation to generation. Eugene Peterson translates that verse this way. God's miracles are staggering. That's a great word there. His wonders are surprising. His kingdom lasts and lasts. His sovereign rule goes on forever to this generation and all the ones that follow. That verse, like every verse in the Bible, I mean, you could spend a lifetime digging gold and diamonds out of that verse. You know what I mean? Every word. Now, I'm not going to spend a lifetime with you, although I almost have, um, <laughs> digging gold out of that, but we are going to spend three weeks, and I've really been looking forward to this. This morning, um, I want to take a look at the first couple of lines of that amazing verse, where it outlines God's miraculous signs and wonders. That's the first statement out of that powerful statement by King Nebuchadnezzar. And then next week, um, I want to look at, kind of skip to the end, and look at how God intends to endure his dominion from one generation to the next. Next week, I want to lay down a foundational uh, message about where I think student ministry is going as we wrap up the first quarter of the 21st century. And that, when that occurred to me, kind of blew me away. We are wrapping up the first quarter of the 21st century. And where is this going into the next? Because the old adage is certainly true. We are one generation from the extinction of Christianity on this planet. And how do we move forward with the gospel with the next generation next? That's what we're going to look at next week. And then finally... Um, two weeks from this morning, I, I want to just preach the gospel and zero in on that center section of Nebuchadnezzar's statement in verse 3 of chapter 4, where he talks about God's eternal kingdom. What is the kingdom of God? And what are the implications? Who's in? And who chooses to stay out? And what are the implications of that? I don't really know where I'm going to go with that yet two weeks from this morning, but I, I have a hunch it would be a good morning to bring somebody who doesn't know Jesus. And I've invited a friend, an old friend, to come and join me at both services next week, or two weeks from this morning, who's going to help me do that. But first, this morning, I want to focus on God's signs and wonders. And, and what are the implications of those? And, and I especially want to look back over three decades of being in ministry with, with you as an associate pastor here. You know, the average stay of a youth pastor in America is less than two years. I mean, I've told our students that. You, you would have had three youth pastors by the time you graduate. 
And, and the Lord and you and Amy and I chose a different path on this thing. It's unusual, you know? And what would have been the implications of that? What have been the implications of you as a church being serious about student ministry, about children's ministry, and those two in particular, you know? Because Christine's been here a while, too. And, and as a church, we've been serious about student and children's ministry. And God has shown up again and again, just like he has throughout history. Just like he did when Moses was walking through the desert and he encounters a burning bush. Like, you don't, you don't see encounter a talking burning bush and just walk on like it happens every day. You know what I'm saying? Or the parting of the Red Sea. You don't experience that and then just go find a place to have lunch. I mean, his reaction after that happened was immense and unforgettable. As, as God did for Elijah with lightning bolts, igniting water-soaked bowls. I mean, Elijah's story is one sign and wonder, crazy stuff after another. Read that. As God did in and through Jesus the king of signs and wonders. And it goes on and on with him as he calmed a raging storm, as he fed thousands of people from a couple of fish and a couple of loaves of bread, as he commanded more than one dead person to come back to life, and they did. They went from being dead to being not dead. So the Bible is full of signs and wonders. And I thought, growing up in a sleepy little Presbyterian church in suburban Minneapolis, that that was then and this is now. And I actually had no problem with that. Like, I remember as a kid thinking, yeah, not too tall of a chore for God to work things out for Jonah to actually be swallowed by a physical whale. I, I just believed all that. And I, and I still do. But I thought that was then and this is now. And when I went away to college, and it wasn't crazy stuff, like crazy stuff, but I saw evidence again and again and again, beginning of my freshman year, in my life and in lives around me in a freshman guy's dorm, pagan city, I saw God show up again and again. And I was blown away. I, I had never been told that God did stuff today. And he did. And he does. And he has, in a big way, over the last 30 years, I've been privileged to be with you. And so, like King Nebuchadnezzar, it's my pleasure this morning to tell you about a little bit about some of the signs and wonders that I've seen God do. And so, um, it's time for Mike's top 10 <laughs> times God showed up big. And to share the first one, I'd like to invite Amy to come up. Um, a lot of people can do and do very fine doing ministry as a single person, but Mike Flavin could not have done that. I would have self-ignited in a sea of chaos long ago, and this just wouldn't have worked out. Um, Amy and I have been teammates from the very beginning. We met in a singles ministry. I was actually Amy's singles pastor. 
and th things worked out pretty good. Um, and we were teammates from the very beginning and uh, have approached all of this together. Um, you know, every Sunday night I would come home from Salt and Amy, every time, you'd say, how was it? You know, and, and we've really been at this together and we're going to continue to do so. So um, would you share the first, please? One of the things that um, we've talked about many times over the years, how God showed up. Um, as we prepared to move here, the call was clear. We knew this is where we were supposed to go. But as with any move, which we encountered with our, our current one, you have to find a place to land. And <laughs> we... Um, we're moving for the first time with two kids. Andrew was going to come into kindergarten partway through the year. And so we spent a lot of time house hunting. And Mike, during that time, lived with a couple of families in church um, or from the church. And I was stayed in Pennsylvania because we needed to keep Andrew in school and do all that, you know, the things to keep things smooth at home. And the last place that he kind of landed and ended up staying for a number of weeks was at the Morrison's house, which they lived right next to the house we eventually moved into. And Pete Morrison happened to be the chairman of the search committee. Um, and Pete kept saying, don't worry, just bring the kids, Diane will watch them. And so <laughs> we'd go house hunt and all of our kids would hang together and became, of course, very, very good friends. Um, but during that time, we were getting discouraged. You know, Mike's going off to work every morning, and um, I'm still in Pennsylvania. And one morning, as Mike was walking literally out the front door, Diane said, you know, I think our neighbors have to sell. And we were thinking, there's no way that we would end up on Pittsford Way and as their neighbors. And lo and behold... God put that puzzle together and really was in a miraculous way because it was something we never thought could happen. Um, so it was a wonderful platform to continue to grow on from here, from the very beginning. Good. Thanks. Thanks. So the first way I've seen God show up big over the last 30 years is through Amy. Um, second way is through God's decision to do what he wants to do. And that's the key word, providence. You know, that was not a word on my radar screen before I moved here, and now it's the name of the town. And that story lives on. And time and time again, I've watched God do in your lives and in our lives what he wants to do. And many times it makes no sense in the moment. And sometimes God's providential decisions never makes sense until we get on the other side of eternity. Other times, and, and you know, when you're a pastor, you have a front row seat to people's private lives. And those are sacred, privileged things. Ministry is a privilege afforded to people like Jeff and me and Audrey and Colleen and Christine by the Lord, by the leadership of the church. And, and that's sacred stuff. And to watch God do what he chooses to do in people's lives where your first knee-jerk reaction is you want to 
kiss it all and make it feel better, but God chooses otherwise. And it's been powerful. And sometimes God interrupts the flow. And I won't get deep into it, and I don't even think they're here, but the greatest moment I've ever seen God interrupt. And when I get to heaven, even before I go looking for my mom or anybody else, I'm going to find Jesus. I'm going to go up to him, and I'm going to say, I know what you did, and I'm just like so grateful. When he interrupted uh, my daughter-in-law Joanna's severe four-roll car crash going 70 miles an hour down 78 with the babies in the back. Sometimes kids and people die in car crashes. And sometimes they don't. And the chances of that one ending the way it did were zero. So in that moment, I know for whatever reason, Jesus interrupted it. And I'm gonna th- I've thanked him a million times for that. So the second way I've seen God show up big is just through his providential decisions. Sometimes he says yes, sometimes he says no, and sometimes he says wait. The second, or the third way I've seen God show up big is through his call. I mean, his call to come here, I mean, Jersey Youth Ministry was the last, it just wasn't on our radar screen. We were going back to the promised land, at least Colorado, if not back to California. And I figured God was calling me to pastor a church. And I've found over the years, God's call isn't necessarily, in fact, it's usually not what you aspire to. You aspire to something and it, for me, it just hasn't really worked out. And, and other moments that I wasn't really aspiring to do, it's worked out. And I've seen God show up big. And I shared the message on a message last summer about God's kind of ultimate call here and statement at the large DCLA convention in the early 90s um, where I distinctly heard God's voice in an ocean of 10,000 high school students. And he said to me, stop looking for other jobs. I've called you to be a youth pastor and don't leave New Providence. And if you do what I just told you, I'll raise an army to replace you. And that just seemed like an odd message, but it was profound enough to where I called the kids under a tree in D.C. and told them that. And I go, I don't know what that means, and I certainly don't think that it's going to take an army to replace me. And then you know the punchline. I mean, I shared it. Jeff was one of those kids as we stood under that tree. And I'm not here to say that Jeff or Audrey or anyone else is replaced. It's not about me. It's about the Spirit of God making it very clear what he wants out of you. And if you're a Christian, and you say no, and I have, you will be miserable. And I think that's a good thing, because God wants what he wants out of you. And he's not, I think he lets non-Christians not be miserable, (laughs) disobey. I mean, sin is miserable, but in terms of God's clear clarion call on your life, um, I've seen him show up in that again and again. And not only mine, But as it's turned out, there are people in their 20s and 30s and 40s and 50s. Um, (laughs) First kid I ever led to Christ in California is 55. So do the math. Um, uh, That God has called into the ministry either as a volunteer or professionally. Um, The fourth way I've seen God show up big is through my friend Colleen. Um, I've seen him show up big through a lot of people. 
And I'm not going to steal any of her thunder. You should write a book, Colleen, on the adventures of Colleen. Um, and some of them I've been privileged to stand with her with. There's a lot of goats, greatest of all time in the world, sports and all the rest. Um, I've only met one, personally, shook their hand, and that's you. And I know you're humble about it, but you are. And some of the most profound, unforgettable, mind-boggling spiritual moments I've had in my, in my life have been with you. And I would, I'm not going to tell any of the stories because I'm not going to say, I've seen God show up in you and through you. And it's been a privilege to share an office wall with you. <laughs> it's a good thing that wall can't talk. That's all I, so I give it to you now. <laughs> it's, there it is. Um, the fifth way I've seen God show up big is through money. You know, um, I don't know. Did you say a while back, Jeff, that money is mentioned more in the Bible than even sex? I think that was your line or anything else, even spiritual things. And it's by design. For 40 years in Minnesota, Fresno, Philadelphia, New Providence, Chicago, I've sat in session meetings. I, I was ordained an elder, go figure what they were thinking, but when I was 18 um, in Minneapolis. And I sat around with all these Swedes and Norwegians in suburban Minneapolis, and in amongst talking about the corn crops and the hog prices, um, they would worry about money at the church. And that began a 40-year journey of, and they should be worried about money, but at the end of the day, for 40, 45 years, God always met the need, you know? Three, three to four years into here, we were told, and you probably remember this, Colleen, don't cash your checks on Monday as, as you're paying you to be a pastor because we don't think there's enough money in the bank to clear it. That was here, you know? And even through those years, um, God met the, the need. And we watched him do it again with Mexico mission trip. We don't take money out of the budget for mission trips like that. That trip costs about 100K. And it looks like when the dust clears, it's gonna break even. There was a time many years ago, we were doing multiple weeks, it was like hundreds of people in Mexico, the thing was way more than 100,000 bucks. And it looked like, I kid you not, at one point we were gonna run about 40,000 bucks short. And I remember making the statement, if this breaks even, I'm going to get up on the roof of the church with a bullhorn and yell, there is a God, you know, and I, I still owe him. Maybe I'll do that on the 7th <laughs> because it did break even. I think it ended up on like about a $180,000 deal with a billion variables. Think about it. How many tchotchkes can you sell in a garage sale that's going to make it come? And how many cars can you wash? Um, it ended up about four or 500 bucks in the good which was just God's way of saying, here you go. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so money, I've seen him show up with that again and again. Does he care about money? No. Does he need money? No. But I think he uses houses and money and relationships and other things that are really important to us humans to teach us to trust him. Um, the sixth way I've seen God show up big here is through winds of renewal and outreach. You know, we live on the 78 corridor here, which has quite a history of God showing up big through the centuries. 
and, and, and bringing about a wave of renewal. And I've seen it in waves here, both in terms of people being attracted to events here in student ministry. In the year 2000, we stopped doing youth group here, a classic kind of uh, Willow Creek youth group where it was sort of a show. And we went all in with discipleship small groups. I'll talk about that in a second. And then we went all in in a, a very uh, a open, um, out-of-the-box outreach. And not thinking that would even work, that kids would show up, pay money to get into a church on a Friday night. It went from zero. We topped out just after 9-11, the week after 9-11. We had 750 high school kids show up. And we saw it all. We, I won't get into it, but we saw it all. And I would say this to you as well, church. Most, many churches would not allow what went on there because it was edgy. It was out of the box. Kids came drunk. We called the paramedics. It was, it was, it was a time that we saw God move in some crazy ways, in many ways that I'm not even aware of. And in the midst of all that, starting kind of a junior high outreach, there was a night we had about three, 250 to 300 junior high kids here just rocking it out. And I brought this super edgy band from the West Coast in. And I thought, like, the high school kids loved them, but I don't think the junior high, I think it's going to fly over the junior high kid's head. It, it didn't. And I knew they were going to give an altar call. So here's 300 kids in here. The lead singer had won them over. He goes, sit down. He was this big, burly guy from L.A. I mean, he was scary with the tattoos and the whole deal. And he goes, sit down. And they sat down. And he starts, he goes, shut your eyes. And he starts in mainly talking about depression and suicide. And as the pastor in the back, and we were ready for what was going to be the ending of an altar call, um, watching what happened next was unbelievable. And it crescendoed in the end. It was just so appropriate and so real, he gives an invitation to deal with the stuff in their lives and to give their lives to Christ now. If that's you, stand up and get up here now. And we've figured a couple of kids, it was literally a wave. Like, it kind of started together, but in the front, and no kids were, like, looking around, oh, my friend, it was like, boom, and 90% and of the group came forward. And we didn't really know what to do. Like, what do you do when that happens? And it was real, and it was powerful. And I imagine the reverberations of that moment continue on to this day. It, we didn't know fully how to follow up on that. It became God. Signs and wonders are like that, you know? They're not planned. They're not controllable. A lot of times they're pretty wild. And the Spirit does what the Spirit's going to do. I'm convinced, by the way, and we'll talk about it next week, that's cutting edge. We're doing pretty good with discipleship here with the next gen. We're not doing good in terms of penetrating a digital culture with students. Things have changed since those days in a big way. Um, the seventh way that I've seen God show up big is in quiet moments of conversion, much different than what I just described. And one of the most powerful moments of my years here. It was out in the Poconos. It was almost like a movie. Uh, it was cold. We had a 
campfire. We'd had a great retreat. Saturday night, I give an invitation. I got out of the way. I don't hype it up. You can make kids, you can hype them to do it. But when it comes to sharing the gospel, you got to throttle it down. Let the Lord do what he's going to do. It's not about what you say. And, and w- the snow starts trickling down. It was just like out of a movie. And one freshman girl stood up. It was like so awesome. It, I will miss, I'll miss this the most. Because in the context of a pastoral relationship, to look a person in the eye and pray a sinner's prayer, that's the most privileged. And I got done with her, and a couple of elders were standing behind her. I look in the back, in kind of the darkness on the edge with the, you know, the snow falling down and the campfire still going, and there was an adult standing back there. There were a lot of adults standing around. But this one just, I don't know, like he caught my eye. So I go back and I whisper to him. This is like one of my leaders. I go, are you standing or are you standing? And he goes, I'm a Christian, but I've never done what I just saw. Would you pray for me? I go, are you kidding? Of course. And I prayed a sinner's prayer with him. And I guess I would toss out to you, has that ever been your privilege? If you're a Christian, it shouldn't be commonplace but it should be happening. Sharing Christ, ushering someone into the kingdom is not the role of the pastors or the elders only. It's not. If you're a Christian, it's yours. And you don't have to go chasing after it. It should be coming to you. You should be asking God for those moments and leave it up to him. The eighth way I've seen God show up big is through baptisms. You know, I'm going to really miss that. And this picture above me I mean, I've taken tens of thousands of slides and digital photographs. Tens of thousands. This is my favorite picture of all time, and I didn't take it. Um, I'm not so sure that Catherine didn't take it, because she was on that trip. Maybe. I'm, I'm not, it's almost good I don't know who took it, because they sent it to me. This is on a mission trip up to Red Lake, where I lived and went to college. It's on Red Lake, where you can see it's like where the two big... It's the biggest lake in Minnesota, and there is no horizon. And the ripples, I don't know if you can see it on that picture, but those ripples are from us. This was like glass. So all these kids standing on the shore, these two girls and I, and their parents knew they were going to be baptized there uh, that day they had requested it. We walk out and walk and walk and walk and walk. And there is no delineation between the horizon and the lake. There isn't. And we stood there, the three of us, looking that way, and it, live it looked even more like you couldn't tell where the lake ended and the horizon began, and we were, it was like stunning. And I whispered to the girls, girls, this is what it's going to be like to go into heaven. And I'm 100% sure, maybe the only difference is I'm pretty sure we'll be able to fly, so we won't be walking through a cold lake. We'll be flying into sheer beauty. That was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen in my life. And to share that with those two, and then to look these two young women that I've known almost since they were born in the eye and go, who's your Lord and Savior? Do you want to be baptized now in his name? And to put them down, you know? Some of you were here this Sunday. We did a couple here. I, I hope five years from now, that's thousands of people that are baptized right there in that, that tank. To baptize my son out on the street corner out here in a dunk tank, and so many, so many others. Um, 
The ninth way I've seen God show up big is just through a hunger for discipleship. You know, I mentioned in 2000, and we'll talk more about this next week, we stopped doing youth group that was a show, and we put all our eggs in a small group basket. It turned out the code to, to be cracked for student ministry here, and it was pre-digital age, and it's even more necessary now. It's what also saved us during COVID. Because so many of my friends' ministries crashed and burned because the show couldn't happen. And Zoom's lacking. You know, can't speak to the crowds, can't have the band, can't have this. But small groups maintained. The minute we went to small groups and started, stopped playing youth group, um, our numbers locked up. Kids sit here on a Sunday and go, I can't miss because they're my brothers, they're my sisters. And the hunger for discipleship. Um, I've seen God show up through that big. You know, and I've had the privilege over the last couple of years to disciple 12 junior rising senior guys who are nine feet taller than me now. And, and what a privilege, you know, um, in discipleship. And then finally, um, and, and maybe, uh, I don't know. Um, I put the word eternity up there. Um, early on in my ministry, I uh, participated in a funeral of a young freshman girl that died of leukemia. And over the years, I've done more of that, more so after they've graduated. But still, I mean, once they're your kids, they just kind of feel like your kids. And there are four students that were very involved in SALT, who I know for sure had given their lives to Christ, because I was there when pretty much all of them did, that are buried out back here. And um, two of them, I was the primary person, along with Colleen, uh, of doing their funeral and memorial service. And one of them, um, Jake, it was probably the most electrifying, it was the most electrifying moment of my 30 years of ministry here, where a friend of mine got up, and he's going to be here in a couple of weeks, did a Jars of Clay song. There were 800 20-year-olds there who looked like, dressed up and looked like they hadn't been in a church in a long, long time, if ever. And it was, it was emotional, and, and then my friends started in on this song, and 800 20-year-old heads it was like somebody started speaking English, you know? And they go, what? What do you mean it doesn't matter where you bury me? What does that mean? And, and the way those lyrics, and it was just clear and clear. And I'm telling you, I got up to speak on the heels of that. And this will sound overdramatic, but it was like a lightning bolt went through my spine. Like, it was electrifying. Like, it was, it was not me. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and I, I don't remember what I said. And it didn't matter. It's like God showed up. And I was able to attest to the fact that I was there when Jake gave his life to Christ. In fact, I found some papers he had written. I make kids, ask kids to do applications to mission trips and stuff. And I sent them to his mom. And, and there's no doubt. If the gospel's true, and I believe it is, Jake is in heaven. Do you know what I'm saying? And, and time is short. Stakes are high. And we're going to talk next week about the implications of that. So many more uh, times I've seen God show up big here. 
And I've wanted to say this for 30 years, especially after we got the ball rolling here, but well done, good and faithful servant. A lot of churches wouldn't have let happen <laughs> what happened. <laughs> and I'm sorry for what we messed up in the Winman room and other places. <laughs> But you've put a way higher value on kids' eternal salvation and lives than uh, carpet. Um, here's, here's kind of my closer uh, and a challenge for all of us over actually the next year. May, may there be many signs and wonders that you stumble into over this next year. And I would challenge us all. I'm going to do this. I'm not a journaler. I just think it's boring. But I'm going to do this. I challenge us all to get a notebook, put on the front God's signs and wonders over the next year. And every night before you go to bed, ask him for some. Ask him to show up tomorrow. And when he does, if he doesn't, he doesn't. But it, when he does, write it down. And then, I don't know, get together with some friends on July 24th, 2023. Get out your notebook and say, you know, it's like my privilege to be able to share with you now the signs and wonders that God displayed in my life over this past year. I challenge us to do that. Let's pray. Lord God, we thank you for all the ways that you show up, and we thank you for your presence in our lives, even when it seems like you're not. And we know that we're in great company, from King David to all the rest. Where are you, God? I do not see you, God. But we know that you are always there, that you are always doing your will in our lives. Give us patience. Help us to trust you. And help us to tell the world of your goodness and your power, your signs, your wonders, your majesty, your holiness, to a world that needs to know. In Christ's name, amen. Amen.